I love Esri GitHub so much. I've spent many, many nights crying over Ben and Jerry's, just trying to <laughs> Frankenstein different bits of Python script. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp, and immediately useful resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. And welcome to the GIS Directions podcast. I'm Wayne Lee Archer. I'm Josh Fenman. And I'm Riley McGlusky, back at it again with the team to share more of our two-minute tips that's going to change the way that you guys work. So in an earlier episode, we shared some of our tips around ArcGIS and Desktop GIS. But today, we're going to shift our focus around to WebGIS. So let's start with you, Wayne. What you got? All right. So my first cab off the rank today is Experience Builder. So I know a lot of you out there have already been building great web experiences and web applications with Web App Builder, uh, even getting down and dirty, building your own widgets to do deep, insightful things with GIS. Well, now there's a new tool to add to your gun build. It's the Experience Builder, and it brings a new way of bringing together fluent interfaces for your web offerings. Hey, Wayne, I'm a bit of a Web App Builder guy. So what does it mean for me? Is, is Web App Builder dead in the water if experience builders the next best thing the good news for people like you who have really invested in web app builder is that they will be living together in the ecosystem together for a long time to come one day maybe we'll see the the day when web app builder is no more but it's not any time in the foreseeable future and the main reason behind that is because they really have got different targets so um i know you would have been making uh, you know fairly typical web apps uh with web app builder there josh you know like with a a menu bar, a little widget dock, you know, your top right-hand side um, search bar and that kind of thing. Well, the Experience Builder brings some of the modern kind of web interfaces, the flowing, endless uh, scroll pages and those kind of things into your development environment and into your web experience. So a bit more of a contemporary look and feel is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, taking into account things like material design and those kind of things. But more importantly, one of the things that has been really focused on in this is web accessibility. So this is the WCAG guidelines and the association section 508, section 509 over in the United States. They're baked right into the products that you create with Experience Builder. I'm sold, Wayne. I'll rest easy on Web App Builder and look forward to uh, my next app and Experience Builder. What else you got? All right, so I'm going to go a little bit a little bit weird on you here, and this is my, my developer roots showing through here. But I think something that's a little bit um, understated and possibly you know, not recognized or even remembered by a lot is a very useful tool that I've got in my toolkit. And this is something that I, I spend more time that I care to talk about on, and it's the Esri GitHub site. Yes. You guys have all seen the Esri GitHub website? Yeah. I love Esri GitHub so much. I've spent many, many nights crying over Ben and Jerry's just trying to Frankenstein <laughs> different bits of Python scripts just to try and, you know, during my consulting days, it was just hectic. So uh, shout out to the GitHub community. You're huge. Love you. Hidden gems. Really oh, are hidden gems. Yes, definitely. And not just like little geeky things like Esri Loader for the JavaScript developers out there. I had to sneak that one in. I know Josh and I, we've talked about how geeky that is and boring it is to normal mere mortals. But that's a good one out there for anyone listening. There's so much great web stuff, all really good TypeScript and JavaScript tools, but not just that. 
there's hundreds of Python and desktop applications, all sorts of plugins that the boffins over at Esri have baked up in their labs and released to the world. So I suggest you hop online, have a look at the github.com forward slash Esri site. There is bound to be something for anyone in there. So that kind of ties into to one of my hot tips, which I was intending to talk about later, but I can maybe jump in now. Sneak it in now. Sneak it in now. Go for it. Why not? Well, actually, I've got two part of tips. The first I would think is good practice and the second is best practice. So I'll start with the good practice just to get everyone excited. And that is an overlooked one, which primarily is for local governments and utilities. And it's serving maps to internal departments with focused solutions. So the tip is to create specialized map for departments that you're working with rather than a single map interface with hundreds of different layers. And you can utilize some of the functionality that Esri Inc has provided through the solution deployment toolkits. I thought that's where you were heading with this one, the solution deployment (laughs) toolkits. And of course they're up on the GitHub repo. They definitely are. And there's also a number of different templates you can access if you're not really sure how to divide up these specialized applications. I recommend first and foremost, speaking with your different departments and seeing what they currently utilize. You can also utilize um, some of the templates that are online. And why you would do this, I guess, is because when I'm speaking with users, particularly within local government who aren't in the GIS team, their number one concern is always the speed of their apps that are online. Yeah, for sure. So usually when I go back and have a chat with a GIS department, and after that, you find out that they're actually all looking at the same interface that has hundreds and hundreds of layers. But that one department might only use 10 of those layers. So by dividing up those applications to have focus points with focus layers, you're not only speeding up the application, but you're also reducing information clutter, which is great for those who aren't spatially literate and don't want to see 100 different layers that they're not going to use. You can also configure your applications so users can bring in their own data if they want to see certain layer or you know they want to do any of their own analysis. But separating those applications is is ultimately going to be better for across your organization what a fantastic tip what what i'm (laughs) thinking is i reckon there's fuel for an episode in this podcast around speeding up applications because this isn't something that necessarily comes naturally i'd be all for for an app on that yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things that you kind of learn on the job, um, particularly looking at, you know, um, setting to extents for certain layers and everything else. I think that's definitely something we can focus on in the future. So that was good practice. A good overall tip for anyone, yeah. And my best practice kind of comes from uh, my IT days. So, you know, Wayne, you were just talking about your developer days. Mine's from my IT days. Yep. Um, and that is connecting up your Active Directory to your portal and having a complete end-to-end sync of your organization. You only have one set of administration tasks, really. It not only kind of speeds up that process of, you know, when you get someone new in the organization, you don't have to create all these different accounts all synced across, especially if you have multi-factor authentication. But it also reduces the risk of those who might be a little bit grudgeful who are leaving the organization, not being able to access oh. their data as soon as you shut down those accounts. Oh, wow. What a tip. I'm a security buff and everybody knows this. And <laughs> I think that is just gold, Riley. Like getting your Active Directory in some way, shape or form hooked up is absolutely a must. Getting enterprise logins and being mm. able to control it at that central point, absolute security gold. Good work. I think that's a fantastic tip. And there's other benefits that are tied to it as well. Like, you know, you can set permissions for certain groups or credit limits for certain groups and you're kind of reducing the amount of manhunting you're doing and obviously your IT department will love you for it. Absolutely. Wayne, this gets a tick in, if you're talking about Active Directory, all good for Azure AD? 
Ah, yes. Yes, it's a common question. Absolutely all good for review AD. As a matter of fact, it's probably one of our most recommended approaches Mm -hmm. to achieving a single sign-on and and SAML-based sign-on for your organisation. Nice. Awesome. All right, Josh. We've covered a whole heap of ground. Surely you can't have anything for us left, Josh. <laughs> okay, you've, you've set me up for a hard one to beat there, Randy, with uh, better than best. I'm always falling back to the pragmatic, call it mundane, but highly useful. So here's my tips. Understand and get familiar with the ArcGIS Python API. Because mm. as you move into the big world of WebGIS, your talents as a GIS professional are going to be stretched in new directions because you're going to have to kind of take command of this highly capable system of systems that offers you enormous opportunity, but you also need to corral that uh, in a way that's manageable and repeatable. So tip number one, check out the ArcGIS Python API as a means of orchestrating, controlling your whole WebGIS from script. And then, which is kind of a hook back to when we talked about desktop GIS, think about using Jupyter Notebooks in one form or another, whether it's on your desktop or on the server. So use the Python API in these ways that let you do the same thing in the same way again and again. It's a rare occasion, but I think we're on a meal ticket together here, Josh. I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm with you. For once, we're on the same bus heading the same direction. It's amazing. I, I couldn't agree enough, actually. The the Python API and the Jupyter Notebooks, especially the Jupyter Notebooks, which are up on the Esri GitHub site to do with managing your GIS, really are essential. I mean, I've actually got a bit of a story around this one that uh, just this last weekend, oh, I found myself in a situation for one of our uh, amazing major projects for a critical infrastructure client, moving 700 megabytes of content from one portal to another. Now, we all know that when fingers touch the keyboard, when meat hits the metal, bad stuff happens. You know, that's, you know, that's my motto. So keeping the meat away from the metal, we've actually drawn upon those Jupyter notebooks as a starting point and created quite a sophisticated migration tool that can move between portals. 700 megabytes, some 650 different mm-hmm. portal items move between the portal. And and they're all based upon those tools that you're talking about there, Josh. So absolutely got my uh, my backing for that one as a hot tip. And are we kind of painting a picture here of needing to be a developer or at least have a developer kind of perspective as we move forward? Well, you know, we've talked about this before, Josh. We're really not you know, becoming masters of a GIS trade, but masters of many things that go into what we do as web GIS practitioners these days. So I think as we move to a web environment and as the behind the scenesness of the web being so accessible, you can you know, right-click view HTML on the web and you can't mm. do that anywhere else. Uh, you know, that makes it accessible to people and brings people to the point where they become developers. So I, I'm going to vote yes. I say we should all be becoming developers. We should all get up on GitHub and download as much code and hack away as we can. <laughs> Riley? Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting. Maybe about 10 years ago or so, or even previously, people were really rewarded for having these eye-learning capabilities. So picking a certain topic and really delving into it and making their whole life around learning that one particular Mm, skill. But now we're seeing because, you know, all systems are starting to integrate more with each other where, you know, working within multiple different platforms at the same time, T-learners are really kind of coming into their own age and and becoming a jack of all trades is not only going to be beneficial for you and your own skill set, but also your organization and understanding, you know, where everyone else sits. And uh, I think that's going to be where it's headed. I don't know whether you guys feel the same, but... Definitely. 
I couldn't agree more. So, what a jam-packed couple of minutes that was, guys. That's all we have for you today. Some short, sharp, and immediately usable tips this week that'll help you master the wonderful world of WebGIS. If you want to hit the ground running with these tips, we've added all the resources we've spoken about up on the website at gisdirectionspodcast.com.au, including tips and links to the ArcGIS Experience Builder, Esri's GitHub site, the local government gallery solutions templates and sample Jupyter notebooks for administering your WebGIS. As always, I'd love to hear any of the WebGIS tips that you guys have of the ArcGIS user community. So just jump on the website and send them through or connect with us via Twitter. So thanks for joining us. Happy mapping. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia. 